Hello, Fort Worth, and welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. My name is Anthony Sosa, and I am here today with Amber O'Dell and Christy Beamer, as well as Michael Campbell, local criminal defense attorney, lifelong Fort Worth resident, and co-founder of the Justice Reform League, for our first Panther City Watchdog episode. In these episodes, we will review a city council meeting or work session meeting on specific issues and then give our takes of what the city council members have said and what the implications of that meeting are. As always, please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We are currently a volunteer organization, and if you would like to get involved or just want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us, please go to www.justicereformleague.com and click the donate button. Amber, why don't you explain to us real quick what we're going to be discussing on this episode, this inaugural episode of ours. Okay, um, so today we all uh, sat through the city council work session that was originally um, up on the website as a workshop on diversity and equity in police programs in Fort Worth. Um, it is... Something that's been kind of brought up at the last uh, couple of city council meetings, um, it seems to primarily be a response to the protesting um, that's been going on in Fort Worth since uh, really for most of the summer. I think it started in June, right? May 26th, 26th, I believe. Okay, so it's the very end of May. Um, and so uh, I guess sort of born out of the protests and um, the agenda that the protesters presented to the city council looking for um, different ways to reimagine policing and criminal justice in Fort Worth. Um, the city council uh, gave some responses um, for those recommendations and before they broke for the summer they said they were going to start putting together some workshops and some programs that would uh, sort of respond to what the citizens were demanding. And so this seems to be the first, uh, their first, um, I guess since the break, their first time to really, really uh, tackle these issues head on. Um, so we're just going to go through the workshop. It lasted, I think it started at like 1230, ended mm. at like 330. It lasted for a long time. Um, there's a couple of parts that we are not going to discuss that are related more to um, equity um, and addressing racial disparities in um, businesses and they're trying to diversify business owners. Um, I don't think any of us have the knowledge or know-how to really speak to those topics at this time. So we're gonna focus primarily on the criminal justice related aspects of the meeting. And uh, we're gonna start off by talking about um, Chief Krause's presentation, um, which was the first presentation that was given um, and the things that he was uh, proposing there. 
Yeah, so I, I want to real quick just mention that today is August 14th, and it is Friday, and that is when this meeting took place. So if you were listening to this in the far, far future, we are talking about the Fort Worth meeting on August 14th. 2020. 2020. Yes. Um, what did y'all think about the chief and what he had to say? You know, it's interesting hearing from Chief on his way out. Uh, he's, as we all know, recently uh, announced that he's retiring from the city of Fort Worth. Uh, I wonder to pursue more law enforcement work or really just to ride off in the sun and, and, and call it a good police career. Uh, but, um, you know, I think Chief Krause is actually trying to start a president here on his way out. Uh, maybe I'm optimistic. Maybe I'm looking at the glass a little bit more half full than I should, but I, I'm I'm very much so uh, optimistic that uh, Chief Krause is trying to move policing in Fort Worth towards a more progressive-minded uh, type of uh, front. Um, one of the questions that I asked Amber before we started, a uh, rhetorical question I asked myself, is Fort Worth really becoming a, a progressive-minded city? when it comes to policing its citizens. Um, Sorry, guys. Keep going. <laughs> from the ideals and the programs that the city has recently introduced to us, now, it's one thing to introduce an idea, and it's another thing to actually have it practically go through and, and, and for it to practically work for the city. Um, but I'm, I'm very much so interested in whether or not these new programs, and we'll go through each one, uh, will really benefit the citizens of Fort Worth in a way that they've never seen before, um, primarily uh, in the, uh, the minority citizens mm -hmm. and how they're policed and the over-policing of the minority citizens that we have experienced here in Fort Worth, I would say, since my birth. So um, I, I think Chief Krause, on his way out, is trying to steer the city and the policing to a more progressive-minded, um, as he said, um, his words verbatim in our meeting, uh, we want to change from warrior-minded type policing to more uh, caregiving mm -hmm. police. And, you know, if that's the mindset where we're not, we're not your guys' enemies, we're not, um, we're not the uh, op, to say the least, but... Uh, we're here to make sure you guys are okay. Is everything okay? Is there anything, what resources can we provide to you other than just putting you in jail for the night because you're drunk or putting you in jail for the night because you ha you're having a, a mental episode and, and now it seems like they are interested in finding the right resources for the citizens when they're called out. Yeah, I think so too. And I, um, yeah, like we, like we were talking before, it seems like... Um, Chief Krause really um, has been a, a good chief and also is really open to innovation and, you know, new cutting edge practices um, that are evidence based um, that are kind of being, you know, trial ran or, and implemented in other parts of the country, um, such as like the like in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and I think at the at the meeting a couple of times, um, they threw out, uh, you know, like, well, Austin is doing this, you know, um, and it seems like even Betsy Price herself is really uh, kind of on board with, with a more progressive approach um, towards policing and uh, getting police out of, um, 
you know, I guess areas of that are currently being managed um, by police that should be managed by, um, you know, mental health professionals, social workers, mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So let's, I guess, real quickly go over what the what the chief was talking about in his presentation. Like, mm -hmm. what were some of the things that we're, we're mentioning that we're in support of? So, like, there is the <coughs> excuse me, the crisis intervention uh, team that they're upgrading from six officers and then I think it was a corporal and a sergeant to two teams of 10 officers. Mm -hmm. which would I be think that's huge, yeah. Yeah, and so two t eight officers per team and then the, the two, uh, I guess, COs or uh, higher-up officers uh, in each of those squads so they can actually have uh, coverage for two of the three shifts on every day for, for the whole week. So they, they, they said they wanted to cover first and second shift which would be 6 a.m. to about mid, you know, about 10 p.m. or so, um, with the crisis intervention team. So that's that's a a big thing. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And um, what I am, what I was kind of surprised by is that um, I believe they said initially they only had they they basically just like didn't have enough um, enough staffing for it. And I think the um, team is paired through with social workers from MHMR. Um, and what's really funny, uh, well, not funny, but what I think is funny personally is that um, I was at a social work conference um, probably in like 2017 um, down in Galveston, Texas. It was a, an NASW conference and um, Chief Ryan Holt from Waco was there giving a presentation on how in the city of Waco, they were putting together a crisis intervention team. Um, and they were working with Pecan Valley, which is um, affiliated with MHMR, but it serves the Hill County area. And um, how Waco was actually like implementing this type of program and like a new approach to uh, dealing with mental health calls and policing, um, even before Fort Worth was, which is just kind of mind blowing to hmm. me personally. Interesting. Because <laughs> it's Waco. Yeah. You know? You don't often think of that, but that, that, that is interesting. Uh, the Mental Health Advisory Board was yeah. another big thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I want to go back to the to the crisis intervention team really quickly okay. just because one of the things that I have yet to hear brought up um, is that when we have mental health calls, um, you know, the way that they've been talking about these calls is really just sort of like, um, you know, maybe a person that's like experiencing you know, deep psychosis that has maybe um, schizophrenia or um, some other type of thought disorder, or, you know, maybe it's um, people that are out on the street, or maybe it's like a drug-related incident. Um, but some of these mental health calls are actually elderly adults, um, and it's not necessarily like your stereotypical young person, you know, um, who's just like acting out or, you know, having hearing voices or or whatever, um, a lot, half, uh, no, I don't know how many, but a lot of these calls are actually older people who um, are experiencing cognitive decline um, and uh, dementia or Alzheimer's um, or, you know, some other type of, uh, you know, frontal lobe, you know, degradation or whatever. And so um, when, it, sometimes the people at the psychi psychiatric hospital that I was working at um, which half of our uh, half of our population was older adults. It was police um, handcuffing like 90 year old women 
uh, at their nursing home and then transporting them to our hospital. And so um, I just think it's important for people to keep in mind that these mental health calls like are not just young people, these are older adults as well. And um, it is really traumatizing to an older adult who has you know gone their whole life, never been in trouble with the law, you know, they're in their golden years um, and experiencing, um, you know, like a symptom of dementia. And, you know, then they're suddenly being handcuffed and thrown into the back of a cop car and driven to a psychiatric hospital. Um, and so like, I wish they would have touched a little bit more on that. And I think next time we are able to have a dialogue with them, I'd like to kind of bring that up yeah. too, because um, it, I just, when you have a frail old person coming in, you know, like in handcuffs, it's just, it's really traumatizing for them. And sometimes it takes a couple of days to even get them past that mm -hmm. before you can even start treating, you know, the reason why they're there. That's crazy. Yeah. Anybody else have anything they want to say on the crisis intervention team or processes? Well, from my understanding, uh, if we're uh, referring to the same team, these, these are to be 10 non-civilian employees of the city of Fort Worth. Uh, did I hear that correct? I think that is part of the creation of community service professional team. So that's a little bit different. This is just gotcha. um, crisis intervention for like mental health crisis, I guess. Yeah, this is a, these are police officers. Yeah. And so they did say that they wanted to have um, the mental health professional taking the lead on these teams when they're out in the field. Um, there's a lot of discussion about having police officers not show up at all um, because it's their job is primarily um, you know to use tasers and weapons and try to control a situation you know where the job of a mental health professional is um, de-escalation and um, you know listening and giving these you know individuals a chance to be heard um, and trying to get them you know into a safer situation uh, which is kind of antithetical to what police do that kind of goes to the next part, which is the, the mental health advisory board, who would be the board that would be mm -hmm. making these decisions or like advising the policy decisions right. for all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, the mental health advisory board is huge. And so that's yeah. what, so what I got on my notes, I might have missed one or two, is that it's partnered with MHMR, uh, with NAMI. Um, NAMI. NAMI, forgive me. Um, and so what, what is NAMI again, the national? Um, national, crap, you can put me on the spot. Uh, national. Association for Mental Illness. Illness. Okay. Yeah, we did that walk with them. Yeah, I know. I remember it's the NAMI walk. <laughs> I have a shirt. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Um, also partnered with JPS, and then that they were they they weren't really clear. They said they were going to partner with veterans. I didn't know if they meant like a specific organization or. They didn't name a, a specific organization, but they're looking for one. Yeah. So that obviously whoever mm. ends up being on that board. Yeah, will and see, I'd like to see somebody, um, you know, from somebody from um, an organization or a, I don't want to say a name of anything like really specific, but um, you know, I, I'd I think there needs to be somebody included on there uh, on that board that works with older adults and Alzheimer's because a lot of people just in the general public don't realize that, um, you know, uh, that is roped into mental illness. And so like people that are, you know, you see like the silver alerts, like people getting lost, um, but also people, you know, get really combative um, at their nursing homes, and um, they are treated through the mental health care system because um, a lot of the um, symptoms are controlled with psychiatric medications. But yeah, it's a think about your grandma and like how you want them to be approached by the police, or should the police even be there? You know. 
that they should have somebody that works with um, geriatrics on the board, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's my recommendation to the city council. Yeah. Is there like another, while we're on that, like is there another population that maybe wasn't mentioned or that you think anybody thinks it should be? I think what we could bring up to them. I think m mentally ill children, you know, for sure. Um, definitely somebody who's like, a, you know, like trauma informed care, you know, somebody who's like the main focus of, um, you know, of their role is to um, distribute trauma services, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, youth, I think. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, the next thing that is part of that, what the chief's presentation is the, they mentioned that Tarrant County is looking into a health diversion center as well. Yeah, a crisis. Oh, yeah. Crisis. Um, but that's separate from the one that they're talking about. Right? No, they're, it's the same. It's um, the same one? Because like, it's, it's MHMR of Tarrant County, right, that they said they're working with? Yeah, they're partnering with them for the crisis intervention team, but they are looking at an actual mental health diversion center, which is like the drop-in center. Oh, right. Yeah, I yeah. believe. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't realize that was a Tarrant County thing. Okay. Um, and then the then that goes to the next thing that you mentioned a minute ago, which is the community service professionals. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. So yeah. Let's yeah. Talk about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about it. I jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> no, it's exciting. I don't blame you. I'm like, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. Yeah. The possibilities <laughs> and the implications for the city are huge. You know, I'm, I'm a practical person. So I just wonder, you know, if there is a nonviolent, issue in someone's home let's just say they have a i don't know a trespasser on their on their yard who won't leave um you know i wonder how trained dispatch callers will be to be able to plug in the right professional to the situation uh dispatchers are going to pay play a central role in the way that this uh practically works Community service professionals, instead of police coming out on nonviolent calls, is exactly what we want mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the idea of defunding the police, okay? We want a team of professionals that will show up um, dressed in regular clothes, regular clothes mm -hmm. polos and khakis. This is, this is your average Joe or Karen um, who works at the clinic, and they're coming to help de-escalate the situation mm -hmm. without a pistol, a taser, mm -hmm. uh, a badge, and the intimidation force that the police brings. Just imagine someone going through a mental health episode and how the intimidation of the officer, especially if they had a bad run-in with, with officers before, mm -hmm. may just escalate their anxiety in that situation as opposed to uh, an individual who went to school, an individual who has a degree, an individual who's trained with what we like to call the skeet, skill, knowledge, education, experience, and training to mm -hmm. deal with the situation, okay, and to help get that person to either to the right facility or get them the right resources they need to help without officers having to be um, uh, the ones who uh, who's uh, um, given this task I, I i like what chief cross says when he says you know we don't want to we don't want to send officers to be mental health professionals right. we don't want to send officers to uh you know um you know to do counseling type of ordeals mm -hmm. uh, we're rather not send our officers out on that 
Now, I, I, I wanted him to put his, his money where his mouth is, and it seems like he's doing so. Uh, ten non-sworn civilians, meaning that these people will not be police officers. Mm -hmm. They right. will be paid mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. police department, but they will not be sworn officers. They will be civilians. Um, that should be some kind of transparency that the, the community community should be able to have some trust in. Absolutely. Um, so, um, Just real quick, while, since you say that, and I just want to make the point. Their the city makes this language, too, but you said it, too. Police officers are also civilians, and we often forget that. We don't think of them that way <laughs> because of the militarization over the past 20, 30 years. Right. We think of them as, as separate right. from the civilian population, but I just want to remind everybody that they are not, that they are also civilians, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And we should never lose sight of that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a great, um, you know, interlude, definitely. Um, you know, the name of the, the, prof the group itself community service professionals mm -hmm. um uh it tends to me um when i think about it um we need our we need um other than the officers we need people other than officers civilians other than officers <laughs> yeah. who can help uh service the community mm -hmm. uh the, just think about our homeless population mm -hmm. and, right. the, and the resources that they need mm -hmm. uh if there's some kind of drop-in center I think we even introduced the idea of maybe, um, you know, I know some cities have tiny homes and some mm -hmm. cities have, uh, mm -hmm. you know. We're uh, getting some, actually. They got 40, 41, 42 units that they're building recently. I saw, I saw Now, is that dedicated it. to the homeless population, though? Yes, and it's actually related to, I have to pull the article up, and I can do that here in a second if you want, to COVID, uh, at-risk COVID people. So it's that population, the ones that are at the, the most at risk, the homeless population that's most at risk of getting COVID yeah. are, the, are the candidates that are the ones being selected first for this project. Well, the, well is that separate from the city um, acquiring the two, um, I don't know if they're like motels or, or what they are, but they have like multifamily um, buildings that they got. I think they got two and they're going to be um, putting like 200 of the uh, COVID at risk el um, elderly. I believe it's different. Is it different? Yeah, so this is a 48-unit project in West Fort Worth to provide homes for the homeless. Uh, this is an article by Scott Nishimura, published on July 21st, 2020. I'm not sure with what publication. Okay. Um, developers team up to break ground on a new $4.7 million apartment project. And a coalition of private okay. developers, pri so it's private, it's not, it's not the city doing it. Okay, that's cool. Uh, Fort Worth First Presbyterian Church of Fort Worth, leading local foundations and the DRC Solutions to End Homelessness Agency is nearing a groundbreaking on a 48-unit, $4.7 million apartment project in the West Fort Worth for chronically homeless people. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, so I encourage people to look that up and check it out if they want to know more about it because it, it's cool. Oftentimes we get, you know, downtrodden about how bad things are but it's like look there's actually good things happening too yeah so. yeah that's really cool and i think the other project that's actually um being it's being like the like seed money for it is being i think provided through the cares act uh yes. grant money that the city got but they're going to be providing um long-term supportive housing for homeless people that are over the age of 65 that are um covid vulnerable um, and it's going to be like permanent supportive housing. So and that's, that's really that's city exciting. sponsored, is it, Amber? Um, yeah, that's going to well, it's it's really like federal government sponsored because right, it's right. the CARES money came from the federal government, but the city's going to use some of that money to like get to transform, I think, m two motels um, mm -hmm. into 
uh, these apartments. But then the, I think the business plan for like long term is uh, it's going to be self-sustainable some other way. So the city and taxpayers aren't going to be paying for it. Yeah. They made a point to say that at the city council meeting. <laughs> yes, and, 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 and it takes me back to our meeting we had with Kelly Allen Gray. Mm -hmm. uh, and she talked about, we know homelessness is a, a huge problem here in the city. All you have to do is walk down Lancaster, mm -hmm. right. uh, Roselle. But she talked about the prostitution issues oh, in, she's in her did. district mm -hmm. yep. and you know what what kind of right right <laughs> what what jumped out to me about her commentary on it is that you know hey i need to protect my residents but there's nothing she said or alluded to to protect the prostitutes mm -hmm. yeah right and those are her constituents as well. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our citizens of her district as well. I think, Christy, we had a conversation about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's just... It's a very uh, it's a very privileged mindset to, to think, I, you know, I'm responsible for the, the homed, you know, wealthy, like, law-abiding citizens of my district without also taking into account people that aren't as independent mm -hmm. and <laughs> she talked for way too long about prostitutes which yeah which sucks because because it's proven that it's proven that legalizing prostitution that that decriminalizing prostitution let's say it that way um just it just serves to protect mm -hmm. the vulnerable population which mm -hmm. is the prostitute yeah i mean human tra it, it becomes a trafficking issue and, and that's yeah and, know, and women that exacerbated go by the laws that, that exist currently yeah, and those women are typically victims of sex crimes. You know, they were yeah. trafficked as minors. You know, they were, um, you know, I mean, they, uh, like, um, m most people, at least in this area of the country, like, don't voluntarily just go end up in, you know, like, prostitution and sex work. Um, at least, like, not to the degree of which Kelly Allen Gray was talking right. about. Not, um, not those, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, she what she's describing is women that are t having survival sex for money because they're homeless. Um, but those people are often victims of the system mm -hmm. that either criminalizes mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. like lesser sex work, I guess, right. is what like, like mm -hmm. stripping, um, yeah. dancing, um, like, it's so it's so dangerous to do any form of sex work because of the laws in Fort Worth mm -hmm. that um, just for any excuse, basically, you can take a um, any kind of sex worker to jail. Um, and and the victims of that system are often the type of people that end up, you know, having to, you know, walk the corners of Kellyanne Gray's neighborhood. Yeah, and, like, I mean, just the whole premise of criminalizing prostitution is just insane to me because how do you expect anyone to be able to get a legitimate job that pays a livable wage when you have a prostitution charge on your record? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Imagine right. that conversation with a prospective employer, you know, 
um, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. And imagine how much safer it would be for all of those uh, all of those women and men um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they had a safe place to engage in whatever activities that they wanted to. Like, that would protect them from harm and and it would uh yeah i mean it would it would create a non-criminal path to uh getting back on your feet if it is a case of vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and it, you know chrissy you made um wonderful points it's just a a misperception that kelly allen gray has it's a traditional mindset um if you if we talk about being progressive and 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 progressive mind of re- justice reform. Uh, one of the key issues um, that a lot of states are tackling now is decriminalizing mm-hmm. uh, prostitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Las Vegas, which we all know Las Vegas is a Pandora's box, but you have a lot more other uh, uh, states like um, um, like Texas and more conservative-minded states that are considering uh, decriminalizing uh, prostitution for the very reason uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, that's going on. Um, and that's the huge elephant in the room that no one really of uh, power in America wants to yeah. address. Um, yeah. We can spend uh, tons of uh, media and tons of time talking about COVID-19, but we won't address mm-hmm. the key issue of what's going on every day even before COVID-19 with the sex trafficking. Um, Progressive-minded is what comes out of my mind when I think think of that. But to stay on task, that's another type of um, citizen uh, that could benefit from the community service professionals if there is some kind of uh, liaison that can help these prostitutes uh, get back on their feet, that Mm -hmm. can help them find jobs, that can help them feed their children, that can help Mm -hmm. them with housing, where they don't have to have, as Amber described, survival sets to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Kelly Allen Gray, we don't want to turn our backs to these people. Sure. These people are people just like you and I. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, just because we were dealing a, a different set of cards doesn't mean that we turn our backs mm-hmm. to them. And I, I love the idea of the community service professionals because that goes for all types of citizens. That goes for the mm-hmm. homeless. It goes for the mental health. Mm-hmm. It goes for the prostitutes. Mm-hmm. What other ways do you think people or citizens can benefit from uh, these professionals? I think they said, um, Chief Krause gave a list of examples of types of calls that they would address, and I think uh, welfare checks came mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. as one of them. I have the pictures of the slides. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Which uh, welfare checks were important because that's how a Tatiana Jefferson was killed. Right. Uh, the police... Aaron Dean and his mm-hmm. partner were conducting a welfare check in the south side of Fort Worth, and uh, f- for some odd reason, uh, in very uh, short amount of time, Aaron Dean pulled his pistol out and killed uh, a Tatiana Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says the calls they would be community service professionals would be dispatched to or trained and equipped to respond to certain calls, such as re- report calls where no suspect is on scene minor accidents on surface streets which is great because that's another thing accidents like really small accidents is another like introduction like that's the reason that police show up Mm -hmm. and that is contact with police and 
as evidence shows, contact with police leads to these types of police brutality incidents. And so it's like, right. if you don't have a police show up to a minor accident, but you have a community service professional show up, that will that's great actually because mm -hmm. that'll that'll totally cut out that as, as being one of the one of the avenues. Uh, found an abandoned property, so like cars on the side of the road, I guess. Um, loose livestock. Uh, welfare checks. Like you said, uh, stranded motorists, and then it says et cetera, which I suppose. Yeah, and I, well, um, read what he said for the what, what the very first one was again. Report calls where no suspect is on scene. Yeah, and I okay, and so the example that he gave there is, um, for instance, if a business owner, um, you know, has like shows up uh, in the morning to open up their shop or whatever, and it sh and it was burglarized, and there's no suspect you know to be found it's been sitting for several hours um instead of sending um uh, uh <laughs> instead of sending a, a typical officer they would send uh, one of these community service professionals and they said they were going to come up with a different name for uh this unit um of citizens but uh just to be clear for the listeners um the uh community service professional team is uh completely different from the crisis intervention team. So um, yes. the known health, um, mental health calls will be handled by um, a multidisciplinary group and um, these other issues that are not typically gonna in, no, knowingly involve a person in a mental health crisis will be handled by um, communi community service professionals. I heard um, in a different city, I can't remember which city it was, I, I believe it was in Texas though, they're talking about um, handing traffic stops over to um, a team like the community service professionals so that um, if a person is, you know, getting a speeding ticket, they would um, be approached by um, a regular citizen rather than an officer, which I think would be really great um, because that's where so many of, you know, Sandra Bland was a traffic, stop. a traffic stop. And that's what I was, I guess, referring you know, to earlier. Philando Castile, yeah. you know, traffic, traffic stop. stop. Yep. You know, so many of these killings of unarmed um, black men and unarmed citizens in general mm -hmm. um, because white people and Latinx are also obviously, um, you know, affected by these, tr these stops too, um, would be handled by a, by a regular person that's unarmed. Another thing that was mentioned, uh, I guess one of the last things that was talked about during the chief's presentation is the increase in SROs. They just wanted to communicate to the city that th they are hearing from the school districts and the partner districts that are in the area that those districts want more SROs more in the schools. SROs, so yeah. funding was in some of the funding was bumped up from the CCPD budget to like to account for the slight increase in personnel and, and the pay raises uh, therein. So, you know, <laughs> if you got a problem with this, like I do, and like many others perhaps do, then you need to contact your school board representative uh, about that, not the city of Fort Worth, because the city is essentially just going like, hey, we, you know, we're just doing what the school districts want. I'd like to talk a little bit about this, um, because I think, you know, like when we first pro gave our proposal to the city, um, you know, Chief Krause, we sat down in that meeting with Chief Krause um, and with some of the other um, some other people from the police department and um, city councilwoman Gray, and um, we kind of discussed a couple of different options there with what we our recommendations mm -hmm. were. And 
Um, one of those was uh, the creation of a separate Fort Worth ISD's um, school board police force mm -hmm. where they would um, not have regular Fort Worth ISD officers, um, but- Fort Worth PD officers. Uh, Fort Worth PD officers, sorry. Um, but, but officers that were specifically um, trained to work with kids and where they would be on, um, on campus, perhaps unarmed, you know, the, I think they did this in Parkland, mm -hmm. uh, Florida, after the Parkland shooting. Um, they created their own um, police department. And the police officers, I don't believe, carry weapons all the time. But they have a locked area in their office where the weapons are kept mm -hmm. in case of um, an active shooter. And they're paid for by the district. And, and they have an office in the, the school. Right. Not at the, the station Right. And they wear polos and khakis, mm -hmm. you know, um, which is an excellent uniform for a person that's gonna be working around children. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, we talked about something like that where it was gonna be people that were able to actually um, get training to work with juveniles, you know, not somebody who was on, s formerly of the gang unit, now becoming an SRO for, uh, for the school. Um, but I think it's important to, to note that, um, you know, separate from that, there was a, a discussion about pulling all officers out of schools. And there is a team of, or not a team, but there's a lot of people that really don't want armed officers in schools working with kids. Um, and I would just be really curious to, to get the parents' perspective. Um, and I know whenever, you know, the, the meeting went well with Chief Cross that day, but then later on, um, whenever they were, had the second meeting to address the, the list of demands, he was like, well, you know, we're concerned about active shooters and mm -hmm. we don't want um, a school shooting incident to happen in one of our schools. And I mean, and that's the reason the SRO program started in the first place. Right, after Columbine. response to Columbine. Yeah, exactly. and that's how we, we didn't used to have officers so in here's, school So like here, let me, let me just put a question out there into the ether. If, if tw 20 years ago, 21 years ago, they created this SRO program in Texas to deal with Columbine, mm -hmm. has it prevented any shooting? <laughs> no, it hasn't. <laughs> and, and in Has fact, it? like whenever there are school shootings that are that are um, averted and, and the shooter is captured, it's not the cops that are doing it. Mm -hmm. It's usually a coach or a teacher mm -hmm. or another student. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we need to really separate these two different issues um, because I think the assumption is that having cops around in schools is going to stop these school shootings from happening. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the data, that's not the, that's not the case at all. But what has happened is that implementing um, these SRO programs has created the school to prison pipeline. Absolutely. And now we have all of these situations where these cops are there, you know, they're not, they're not averting school shootings every single day, mm -hmm. you know, and many of the um, racial bias that is present among cops in the general population is certainly, um, you know, reflected in this microcosm within these schools. And so, um, if you want to do a future episode about the school to prison pipeline, I'd love to. I do want to do, do yeah, that. I'd love to do. That. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I've even had personal experience with it before I got hired full time at South Hills. I was a, a long term substitute, and one of my classes for first and second period was ISS or and OCI which is uh, on-campus intervention or in-school suspension. So I got to deal with the students who 
are entering the pipeline firsthand. So mm-hmm. I don't want to waste. That's not what we're here to talk about now. Right. But I'd love to have that conversation. Well, I just wanted to bring it up for yeah. the audience Absolutely. because Absolutely. Um, I think it's important before you know making a judgment call about the SRO program mm-hmm. um, to kind of see the other the other side of the coin. Yeah, it is it's certainly yeah. important to hear the, the parents' perspective because at the end of the day, they are the ones making. Yeah, because making the Fort decision. Worth is a minority majority school district, mm-hmm. and so like those are the districts that have been negatively impacted by the implementation of SRO programs the most, since yeah. Columbine. Yeah. Um, at the same time, they're the least likely population of school districts to have active shooting scenarios yep. because the vast majority of those crimes occur in rural and suburban schools that are mi- minority white. Yeah. So, um, majority white, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, majority white. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just mind-boggling to me, but I'd love to talk about it another time. Yeah. Uh, last thing on the Chiefs thing uh, is they expanded SWAT and they expanded, or they enhanced CTU. Um, but they are taking that out of the CCPD budget and they are putting that into the general fund, which we get to vote on in a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. A month, six weeks or so. So it's like not that. funded through CCPD. Yes. Um, but they didn't say that when they were talking about the CCPD budget. They were just like, oh, look, like it's not on here. And then, <laughs> then they're yeah. like, by the way. To the general fund, yeah. but at, at least we at least we get some say in, in how the general fund is, is right. constructed. That's their version of reallocating yeah. funds. Yeah, you know, they're so. like, look, negative one hundred percent. We took it off, guys. So let me ask you this before we move on to the next one. Yeah. Every just about no, I guess not everyone, but the majority of the people in that meeting made a point to say that they were not defunding the police yes. and that this is not a part of the de- quote-unquote defunding movement or whatever, right? This is right? not a defunding. Direct quote from, Multiple. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everybody but Ann Zeta yeah, and maybe Kellyanne Gray? I think, I think Kellyanne Gray said Allen. she... Su- Allen Gray. Yeah, Allen, sorry. Uh, I think Kelly Allen Gray said that it, she didn't want to defund. Yeah, I think she did too. I think I think everyone okay, said. Yeah, she either yeah. Said and she Zeta was the only one who yeah. didn't say it. Then. Yeah, she either said she didn't want to defund, or she said that she wasn't in favor of voting out the CCPD fund so or do whatever. W- so, do we want to take this as an opportunity to define for our listeners what we think defund the police means? Yeah, they they have no idea what defund the police means yeah. when we say it. Somebody else said that they brought it up there. Like, we need to be clear about what defunding looks, what that really means. I think it was um. What's his name? Uh, Noakes? Oh, yeah. Deputy um, Chief. Neil Noakes. Yeah, Neil Noakes. I think he yeah. said that we needed to have a conversation about what that, mm-hmm. what yeah. the definition of that is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so who wants to elaborate? <laughs> and, you know, this is, this is a conversation that has been had so many times on social media recently. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it would be very minimal effort for our city council to, like, try to understand you know, it's like it's like posting to Facebook, like uh, something you're trying to Google search. You know, it's like, hey, can somebody tell me, you know, yeah. like when the Leaning Tower of Pisa was built? Like, Google it. Yeah. You know, like look into it a little There's bit. There's a million articles like, that have been published in the past. Literally about read it, you know? any one mm-hmm. of those articles about defunding the police. Don't just get up here and say um, <laughs> what uh, Jungus Jordan literally said. We are not defunding public safety. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like, if you literally, like, stuck around for, like, a sentence or two after the phrase defund the police, you would see that it was just reimagining 
public safety. Literally, mm. we sent them a document it's that said mm. that. It's about prevention. It's about preventing crime yeah. and not having a reactionary approach. Yeah. Nope. And yeah. They, they have just all shown such a lack of desire mm. to at even understand what we're talking about yeah, before I think we need to they acknowledge shut us down. We need to acknowledge that there may be members of our city council who watch Fox News oh, yeah. as their <laughs> primary source of news media. I think you hit it on the head right there, Amber. I, I just think we have a very traditional, conservative-minded city council yeah. who is stuck in their ways and not Maybe open-minded. Maybe a little brainwashed as well. Yeah, brainwashed <laughs> and not open-minded to the idea of reallocating the funding instead of, you know, spending millions of dollars on SWAT mm -hmm. equipment and SWAT gear, why don't we put more of that money towards uh, resources that service the community instead of uh, puts the community in fear? Uh, it's not about taking away public safety. It's all about encompassing an ideal that we can, the, the, the whole idea of the police is to protect and serve. It's emphasizing the service part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, right. To Not the community, just doing crime control. Right, yeah. right, and I like how Amber said, "Yeah, I think honestly, we're just gonna have to vote these people out." Yeah. I mean, just quite Absolutely. honest, yep. they mm -hmm. need to be put on notice that their their jobs and their positions yep. is is um, is they're on a hot seat, and we're yep. looking for candidates we're looking for mm -hmm. individuals mm -hmm. who can take on this is not something that we just created here in our basement mm -hmm. uh, no. defunding the police is a national conversation mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and a, a lot of cities progressive-minded cities are moving towards that you have mm -hmm. minnesota where george floyd happened mm -hmm. where they are just completely uh turning their police department down and rebuilding it and, yep. and it yeah. won't be a police department it will be a crime prevention uh, unit. Yeah. Which uh, is what they should they should do. I've heard several people say that if it's if it's if it you can't fit certain things. You have to turn it down and start it all the way mm -hmm. over. Right. Yeah. And and um I I think we're leaning towards that idea when we say defund the police. Yeah. Because it was built on uh warrior mentality. Mm -hmm. It was built uh uh, really an influence to over police and overcharge the minority communities mm -hmm. and, um, and just low socioeconomic status yeah, communities. Yeah, to, to help push uh, uh, social, like you say, social economy where it keeps the minorities in a position where they can't progress. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if we're supposed to be a country of equal opportunity and all men and, and, and rights are, are the same, mm -hmm. then those minorities should have those same rights to those business contracts. They shouldn't have um, criminal background records for small petty stuff, yeah. thefts or you know whatever it may be that keep them from getting that type of job that another citizen may get mm -hmm. uh, and, and keeps them from progressing in ways and, and, and you know, defunding the police is not an idea of taking the police away. But it is our idea of reimagining the police, like Christy mm -hmm. said. Yeah, like what do we want the role of police to be in our society? And what I just get so frustrated because <laughs> um, the thing is, and this is what I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, like prior to the attack on social welfare in the 80s and 90s, um, the police department 
was not the sole, you know, agency that would take care of, you know, homelessness or, um, for example, um, you know, like the war on drugs, you know, prior to the war on drugs, like people that were suffering with addiction problems, like that wasn't being micromanaged by police, mm -hmm. you know. Um, there used to be funding for social services in this country. There used to be funding for mental health services in this country um, through federal and state programs. Um, and since the attack and divestment from supportive services in general, um, after the attack on welfare and um, you know, I'll just go ahead and say, like, the Republican Party basically, like, sucking the life and resources from any type of social welfare program in general, um, the police were not the people that would respond to these calls. And so because, you know, the institution of policing is really the last of the, um, you know, like, I, I don't know what the right word would be, but the last of the, the last standing institution that is state funded in, you know, in addition to teachers, um, and then you also have CPS, but um, it's like, it's, it's been the catch-all for all of society's problems. Mm -hmm. And that is something that was done, um, I don't know whether it was strategically done by the Republican Party or if it's just kind of the fallout, um, but. Well, it's just, I mean, it comes with the war on, on drugs. The war on drugs, and That's yeah. really where it, where it started. Yeah, and so it's like since since then, you know, they've just been accumulating more and more and more funding, and um, this like moral panic has been created about crime in our cities and um, people using drugs and like all of like the Dare program, and you know, there's been so many different um, strategies that have been implemented um, because at, like with the war on drugs as an excuse mm -hmm. to target communities of color. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're just gonna be really honest, I think that a lot of white people in this area probably have a relative, maybe a cousin, maybe an uncle who's also been impacted by the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. um, and we just want, you know, now that that's coming to an end and we're changing the way that we're looking at crime and what does it mean to be a criminal in this country? Um, it's just really moving back to an older model of public funding and putting some of that money away from the military programs that the police have and putting it more towards social services and supportive services for community members. And that's what mm -hmm. budgets used to look like. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't make any sense if you're going to pick an institution to take care of society the, in the way that we have kind of burdened the police system, you know, you, you wouldn't want to pick an institution that was developed for the opposite purpose. I mean, right. police were essentially created to protect property right. and to protect the aristocracy. That was the, from the, you know, 1830s in England, like mm -hmm. the, 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 the first, quote unquote, first police department in London. Like that's what it was about was they didn't want the rich aristocracy and business owners, property owners. There was, a, uh, you know, riots and protests going on during that time period. So this police department was created in response to that. And so almost 200 years later, uh, it's the same institution, essentially. Yeah, that was created in England, but we obviously, every nation essentially modeled their police department off of, off of that, made their own version of it. And so, yeah, that's the last institution that you want to be providing welfare for society, is the one that was designed to essentially protect the elite minority from society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that is so, I mean, it's still really obvious in our modern, you know, policing institutions and just really the criminal justice system in general is that these, these programs and institutions are only, um, you know, enacted for certain people, right? Like, you know, if you're looking at, you know, a famous person that does a murder, you know, that famous person is likely not going to be, you know, they're not going to be, you know, um, punished by the full extent of the law, mm. you know. Um, it's only certain people who these institutions are really, are really meant for, um, and those are people of color and uh, people of low socioeconomic status. Exactly. Yeah, and the fact that you can, like, that those people are just buying their way out of it, right. you know? Mm -hmm. and, but not only do they have to buy their way out of it, but the system is specifically designed to allow them to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that, yeah, it just creates a huge disparity in, in who's actually criminalized and who just has to pay fines. Yeah, you know. and just for the listeners who, who don't know and have been completely blinded by, you know, mass incarceration, um, currently in the United States, I think there's like 2.3 million people incarcerated. Um, and it's the also largest percentage of the population of any country in the world yeah. by far. Yeah. Per we lock up more people. Capita, yeah. We lock up more people per capita than any country in the world. Yeah, and also um, there are currently more black people men incarcerated today oh than there God. was during slavery in 1850 um, in prisons and in uh, state jails right now. Um, America as a country locks up more minorities um, of their, more of our m minority population than any other country in the world. Um, and we have a huge problem on our hands. And the police are the entryway into the system. You know, so um, they're I don't know. It's just important to, to <laughs> know that and keep that in context when you're thinking about, um, you know, defunding the police. And yeah. if you're confused about why, you know, people are protesting in the streets and have been protesting in the streets all summer, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why. Yeah. And, and the defunding the police is only one part of the of the movement. Obviously, the prison system and the prison side of things and the judicial side of things is... is Sentencing disparities. Yes. All of these things are... are rotting away and needed to be fixed like all of these institutions are just you know not functioning the way that they were supposed to and well so they actually are functioning exactly, the, exactly the way how they were, they were supposed to, to. exactly yeah. but that was fucked up and we're trying to fix that yeah <laughs> yes, yes. it's just that Let's people don't really understand care about that yeah, yeah it's, it's meant to be oppressive yeah. it's just the perception yes. like you said michael like just the perception of what it is mm -hmm. like as opposed to the reality of what it was intended to be and perpetuates to this day yeah i think it's hard for people to to wrap their mind around it because um you know so much of like the american perception of what police do and how our criminal justice system works was uh, you know they, they think that it works a certain way because that's what they've seen on tv you know in these cop shows um many of which you know cops had a role in creating you know so these cop shows are essentially a propaganda mm -hmm. Uh, tool for the public, but um, I mean the military does the same thing with Hollywood. They've been using Hollywood to promote the military mm -hmm. industrial complex for decades. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly like that. And so it's um, you know they think that oh like you know they see Shamar Moore 
you know, out there doing police work, and they think that's what policing <laughs> looks like, and that's what it looks like to be an FBI agent. And everybody wishes that all the cops looked like Shamar Moore, <laughs> you know? Um, I'm not Has mad about that, but it's not, that is not what this looks like in actual <laughs> practice. Right, right. So we're, we're heading up on an hour. I don't know how long you guys want to go. Um, ben just arrived, so if I can go let him in. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be right back. Yeah, please. I didn't want to interrupt in the middle of anything. So I, I thought it would be fun for us to kind of, because I know I wrote down quotes. Chrissy was saying she wrote down quotes. Amber, did you write down quotes? Oh, I definitely wrote down so quotes. So I just thought it would be fun if we ran down our favorite quotes from the meeting and just comment on them Oh, okay, briefly. I go first? Yeah, please. Okay, so this is a quote from Gina Bivens. Um, I can't think of what her district is. What district Six. is she? Six. Gina Bivens, city councilwoman of District 6. Um, no, 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 no. Not 6. 3? I don't know. We're going to we have to learn up. these. We as should pull we up the screen and leave it up. Six. We're going to be experts yeah. by the time we get... So Kelly Allen Gray's 5 and Anzade is 9. I, yeah. She and may be 8. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. We'll figure this out. This we'll, we'll get it. So, um, so my like favorite you. quote is from Gina Bivens, and she was talking about um, the from District Five. Um, she was talking about how there are disparities, um, like racial disparities within the police force, and like who is actually hired. Um, and so there's like you know not enough minority cops, and certainly not enough black cops. And um, she said that we have to that you know that they should be which is talking about recruitment and how they should be recruiting from you know high schools um in fort worth and that we needed to quote make being a cop cool again <laughs> end quote no that's a great can quote we, <laughs> can we do the thing where we put it like in between her names like gina make being a cop that's cool again yeah. like that's her campaign yeah. slogan or something i love that idea that is a great no idea. no my mother-in-law uh, not to be disclosed uh per her own rules but she's <laughs> uh, she's for pd okay and uh one of the main thing things she's a African-American woman cop for Work PD for going on 30 years. And one of the main things that she definitely um, said that we, should har that we should harp on as a group is, and push to the chief is making sure that they not only recruit minorities but hire them mm -hmm. as well. Oh, uh, yeah. The disparities of um, officers that make it from the application process to the academy uh, the numbers of minority is uh, uh, despairingly different and, 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 and lower in comparison to the uh, our white counterparts. So, you know, definitely forward PD should focus on hiring, not just recruiting, but hiring minority officers. Absolutely. Make it yeah. cool to be a cop. Do you yeah. have another one, Amber? Oh, I think I do. Are we doing, are we doing quotes? quotes? Yeah, let's nice. go down our quotes. Um, yeah, so I already mentioned Jungus Jordan's we are not defunding public safety, and we've got the best police department in the world. In the world. In the world. In the, in the world. world. Yeah, I like the, we you know, the self-gratification. <laughs> you know, Fort Worth is notorious. It seems like Betsy Price and her crew is notorious for, you know, just kind of, you know, um, 
putting themselves on this pedestal that we are the best city. Giving we had the best yeah, police department. Yeah. Yeah, like we're okay. Yeah, you know, I like I feel like if I if I even if it were my job to like proudly represent, you know, I'd be like, you know, we're a city. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> and you know, Betsy, I would just say this, Madam Price. When when <laughs> you when you say things like we have the best police department in your city, you have to be very, very uh, careful because uh, there are a lot of people within your city. Uh, I, I can start naming families like Tatiana Jefferson's who don't feel the same. Right. And there's some sensitivity there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mayor Price, you, you have to be uh, considerate of uh, people who have lost their lives mm-hmm. to Fort Worth PD. Yeah. Po- people who are, I know people who are now paraplegic and, you know, uh, David Colley, look into that story, uh, how he was shot in the back uh, about three or four years ago. But, you know, those people don't feel the same, Mayor, Mayor Price. Yeah. They don't feel that this is the best it's, police department in America. And it's hugely alienating when when they get out there and they all have to make a point to say, this is not a defunding, we're not doing what you asked us to do. Yeah. Like, we've got the best police department in the world, you know, essentially saying we don't need to fix anything. Right. On that same note, they ca- uh, the same people essentially also brought up the fact that the CCPD vote was a resounding, yeah. was the public yeah. resoundingly saying yeah, we support clearly. the CCPD. <laughs> and I just want to point out that, like, less than 56,000 people, or less than, what was it, 5,600 people? I have, for, I have to look at the tweet. 8% of registered voters uh, voted in the July election. So yeah. I just want to say 8% of the registered voters in Fort Worth is not a representative of Fort Worth. No. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> so you can't say that that is a resounding support for something when most of the people didn't even know there was an election. Yeah. I, I think that's Absolutely. a great segue to my quote. Okay. Do it. <laughs> Tell us your quote. My quote comes from uh, directly from uh, Manny Ramirez, who's the president of the uh, POA, Fort Worth POA. Uh, his quote in relation to the results of the CCPD vote, um, which, as Anthony so gracefully pointed out, only 8% of the citizens of Fort Worth showed up to vote for this. So, registered voters. So, is this a true representation? I would say no, but here's Manny, president of the Fort Worth Police Office Association. He celebrated the victory, saying Fort Worth voters defeated a radical campaign to defund the police. This shows that our men and women, uh, that the vast majority of Fort Worth residents have their back, and it's very encouraging. Yeah. I will say this, um, Manny. Um, Number one, defunding the police is not a radical idea. No. You know, what I think radical, I think overthrowing the government, I think bombs, I think civil war. Defunding the police is a conversation that is happening all across America. And just because the city of Fort Worth is not up to speed with the rest of the progression in America doesn't mean that it's a radical idea, Manny. Number two, um, 8% of people, the population, voting population showing up does not show that the people are behind the police. It shows that we need voter education here in the city. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. I guess my quote... um, Jungus Jordan said a couple things. You, you, Chrissy said said mm-hmm. the, the best one earlier <laughs> about the police department being the best in the world. Uh, he also had like a Freudian slip at some point. I don't remember during remember during what 
section he was referring to, but he referred to uh, the citizens of Fort Worth as customers for yeah. a moment before realizing he said that. the wrong word. Yeah. So I was like, okay, great job. Yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> He recommended we watch the Paul Harvey video on what a police officer yes. is. Which we yeah. should do that. We should Let's do that for do the it. next episode and then and then talk about it. Yeah. yeah. And he also, um, what did he call osmosis? What was that again? He said something like he we were learning from the police it or was something. In relation to the Paul Harvey video, I think. Um, he was talking about like intaking information by osmosis. By osmosis. <laughs> Which doesn't yeah. make it. Uh, yeah. It's usually a joke then, when people yeah, say it that way. He accidentally called us customers, which is perfect because yes. that's exactly like how we're that's how they view us. Yeah. You right. Know? And I just want to point out how laughable it is that the the council, all the all the people that were there today that said uh, we've got the best police department in the world, like how laughable <laughs> the concept is that they have done the research mm -hmm. to know. To know at all what that looks like when they don't even understand what defunding the police is. Yeah. yeah. And that's like everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I like you got on the internet to research where the best police departments are and like what the best practices are. And you came up with Fort Worth, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't like just understand what we mean by defunding the police when we've literally said it mm. to you. I think we you're giving them a little bit it. too much credit because I don't think that they actually got on the internet to do any type well, of policing that research. <laughs> I, that's, yes, that's what I'm saying, really. <laughs> the, but they, yeah, they're they're trying to pretend like they yeah. are capable of, you mm -hmm. know, actually, like, looking into what we're talking mm -hmm. about and responding to us. But really, they just have to be there and say something, and they're like, oh, yeah, I haven't looked into it at all yeah. because I don't care. Um, but here's I'm my speech. not at risk of getting <laughs> arrested by the police or being mm -hmm. battered by police. But, I like, Carlos Flores, you know, kept harping on about, like, but, you know, make sure things stay out of my district. Yeah. Was it him? The, was he the one that said it was either him or Bird? I don't remember. An obstacle to the meet an obstacle to the meetings, like not being able to come to the meetings or view the meetings is like not an excuse to not, to say that you're like not involved in civic stuff. Like to all the people, he was interesting to all the people who are unable to come to meetings or watch them like too bad. You, that's us reaching out to you. And so you, I that's. I think I might have missed that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I, I didn't write who said it, but I was just like, are you kidding? Like, you're, are the you fact that you have a meeting is your reason that like, oh, okay, we're doing our job. Was that yes, maybe when they were sure. talking about creating a CCPD board and yes. whether the board should be held by city council members or whether it should be um, a citizen's board? When, yeah, like when Ann Zeta um, asked for the creation of a citizen advisory board, uh, Flores spoke up and uh, he basically was like, we've been getting public input. Like, you can submit your stuff. Yeah. Like, like that's Thank been happening for a while, guys. We've like, always included mm -hmm. the public. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he basically said that's the equivalent to a community advisory board. It's just random input from, from random whoever citizens. is yeah. writing it. I think he thinks that, like, <laughs> the citizens are dumb. You know what I mean? Like, like his whole perception of, of like, like, like when he, cause he got triggered a few times. Like, if we're yeah. gonna be real honest, like, like Flores was like super triggered a few times during this meeting, <laughs> and I think that he, I, I think that he was just like his perception of it was just very like, well, send us the email, and you know that is 
you participating and we're going to read your emails or whatever. And it's, yeah. and it's like, like we know that that is not the same as a citizen advisory board. Like you think that we don't know that sending an email and creating a citizen advisory board are two different things. Like, yeah. like, like why, what do you think of us as citizens? You know? <laughs> like we wouldn't notice a difference, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do have another Jungus Jordan quote though, before we move on. Oh, okay. wonderful. Um, so Jungus Jordan was talking about, um, it was like around the time when, it, when he was talking about the, the best police department <laughs> in the world and, you know, like this old fashioned idea of, policing because he's been sitting around watching YouTube videos um, mm -hmm. from like the 50s or something like that. Yeah, he watched um, the Andy Griffith show yes. and he was like, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You like, don't want you Andy Griffith to lose his job. Exactly. Like, you wouldn't take Andy Griffith's money away? Like, yeah, he definitely is like kind of stuck in, in a, he's been brainwashed by TV, yeah. by TV cops. Um, but he said that the, he was talking about how awesome it is to have the citizens on patrol and how the citizens on patrol are out, you know, patrolling the neighborhoods and they're doing a great job of keeping crime down. And he said, quote, the best crime prevention is a nosy neighbor. End oh quote. God. Oh, yeah. wow. It's like, you no, know how many I, people have oh. died because of nosy neighbors? Wow. Like, Tatiana yeah. Jefferson's Worst. neighbor. Yeah. I right. know. Like, you know, that poor Within man. a year oh my of... Gosh. of a Tatiana Jefferson's oh my murder. Yeah. Like, I can't that believe so that he insensitive. brought that up. I know. So I couldn't believe it. And oh. Trayvon Martin was like shot by a citizen on patrol. It's yeah. like, it's like, do you not realize like that citizens on patrol and nosy neighbors are like, you yeah. know, like it, it just is like racial bias at its worst. And I know for a fact that that neighbor uh, that called for Tatiana Jefferson he wishes he never picked up oh, the phone. Oh, I know. I know. Because he's of the response of Fort Worth PD. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm sure I mean, he's, I, and I don't, I don't mean to point him out or. or oh, no, not at all. Oh, no, his, not at all. His burden is, yes. you know, I know. Yes. Right, but after, after him, that actually. turning out so badly, right. it's ridiculous that Jungus Jordan brought that up yeah. as, like, a positive thing. Yeah. You know what it is? It's, it's a lack of relatability. Yeah. Um, they can sit here and read in their newspaper and, like Amber said, watch on TV. But how, how many times do they drive through the south side? Yeah. How many times do they drive right. through stop seats to sit down and have something to eat? How many times do they go through Meadowbrook or Como? Uh, those neighborhoods, they don't relate to. Mm -mm. They mm. don't. So mm. they can sit on the outside and look in and, 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 and what's the word, uh, be a hypocrite hypocritical all they want mm -hmm. but until um we have individuals on our city council who knows what it is to live in these neighborhoods and what it is to deal with fort worth pd they won't have a clue mm -hmm. uh, of the type of uh terror that our citizens in fort worth face uh just imagine um if even on the smallest of weed charges a tank of officers coming down your street right. Officers yeah. hanging out off the tank, uh, multiple squat car, SWAT mm -hmm. cars pulling up different angles, unmarked cars to bust a guy for selling a pound of marijuana. Yeah. You know, uh, it's that type of policing that we experience in these neighborhoods mm -hmm. that they just don't relate to. The city council does even even Kelly Allen Gray and Gina Bivens. Yeah. They don't relate. Mm -hmm. They sit in, yeah. they sit up high and look down low. I, I, I yeah. want to 
say uh, say something about that. Like, I I don't often like to use generational distinctions. I think that's a bad way to frame things often. But historically, uh, American exceptionalism is kind of like one of my areas of focus. That was like something that I was particularly interested in when I was when I was going through college, and. I think Jungus is Jordan's perspective of the Fort Worth PD being the best police department in the world is is an is it is an ex- example of that. Like American American exceptionalism being force fed for decades and decades, especially during the Cold War. Most of these people on the city council, if not all of them, are in that generation Gen, uh, you know, uh, 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 generation X or older. Uh-huh. Like that's that's what they experience, and so I think, especially speaking to the Fox News perspective like <laughs> it it's mm-hmm. american exceptionalism like is the patriotic perspective and if you don't think that we're the best thing in the world or if you don't think fort worth is the best city in the world uh then you're un-american and right you're a traitor you're, exactly that's <laughs> the way that essentially they frame it and so that's why this defund the police movement is a marxist antifa you know uh what, what is the anarchist movement that's the other word that they keep throwing out there yeah like that's that's nothing could be further from the truth like i I am going to speak for myself and i think that you guys agree with me that like if we are going to end up being as great as we say that we are Mm -hmm. we have to fix all these problems right right? like and there's a million problems and so like speaking to the communities you're talking about like we see these problems every day and so we look around people talk about how great everything is we look around like what the people talking about like it's not (laughs) it's not great over here on my neck of the woods right yeah and so yeah i think this is just a microcosm of that it's happening on a national level but it's obviously happening here in fort worth too and i think jungus jordan and the other you know the the majority of those perspectives about how awesome how they kept patting themselves on the back throughout the entire meeting yeah like even though you're patting yourself in the back there's people marching in the streets all summer because of all the problems you know like right you know and yes and it's good i'm glad that they're doing these things moving moving the ball forward like that's fantastic and we shouldn't you know we shouldn't poo poo like the progress that is being made right yeah um i don't want to do that no i don't want to do that but we shouldn't (laughs) shouldn't sniff our own farts either and tell us how great of a job we're doing right yeah just looking at it realistically yeah and i think that some of them are really out of touch like one of the things that i noticed and i actually made a note here it says brian bird is so out of touch like that's like one of the notes i made from the meeting but Brian Bird was talking about, um, and I don't know his, he's apparently a doctor, an MD. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about him other than what I've seen at the city So we're going to have meetings. to do an episode where we do bios of all of these people. We'll break them down. Yeah, so we have a better idea. For the but election. He was we talking honestly about. honestly try to get them all on. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if they want to. Um, they probably won't, but we should try. We yeah. should ask. Yeah. Absolutely. But Brian Bird was talking about. Um, I think he was like talking about the crisis intervention team and, you know, having um, mental health professionals like out in the field, you know, working with homeless people. And he was like, well, yeah, we have um, now we have long acting injectables for people that, um, you know, have psychosis and, you know, mental illness and stuff. And that's just really great. So it would be great if we could just, um, you know, maybe be distributing psych meds, you know, to people that are out on the streets uh, and to the homeless population. And it's like, yeah, like that is a beautiful idea. But, you know, like most people that are living on the streets, like do not have access to long acting injectables. Like those are so expensive. And even people with reasonable health coverage, um, Mm -hmm. insurance coverage are not able to afford those. And so it's like, 
you know, are you going to start a program where, you know, making medications more affordable well, to that, homeless people? Yeah, that like, lead, bleeds into the next system, which is rotting away the healthcare system. Right. right? we got to fix that. And yeah. So that, but it's, it's all just connected. Like, but it's just like having, have, just being out of touch with, A, our mental health problems in mm-hmm. the city, and B, like what actually is able to be a, a, a reasonable intervention, you yeah. know? Uh, and so it's just funny to, like, watch you know, these professionals get up there before the city council and, you know, they've been doing all this time preparing this presentation, developing these programs, and then hearing, like, the most, you know, like, uninformed, confused, like, out-of-touch comments from some of the city council members. And it's like, obviously, you don't even care enough about these topics to do your research and prepare for these presentations. Um, But then you're also going to, you know, take every second that you get to you know, defend Fort Worth Police Department and get really triggered when even the lightest of criticisms, even when they're, they're giving a compliment sandwich to the Fort Worth Police Department, yeah. still getting really triggered and, you know, like just focusing on how great they are despite the fact that we have all of these serious issues. Yeah. So, okay, we're, we're at the 75, 76 minute mark. Do you want to start wrapping it up? Start kind of make some closing um, remarks and statements about are the meeting. We are we going to come back and talk more about like what Neil Noakes was talking about? Yeah, because there's and this all was just presentation like, should we make number that one. Like a, a separate yeah. thing. If y'all want to do a yeah, separate episode I mean, I about know, it, sure. I know that this is like taking a long time, and we can totally come back and do it more, and then like condense sure. later. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we want to. I'm down for whatever. Um, I mean, we can do. We but can I would love to talk. However. Yeah, a little bit more seriously about that. Yeah, I'd like to talk um, about that too. And then also Kim Neal, um, the police monitor's yeah, presentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, we could probably knock both of those out in another episode um, together. But while last last yeah. bash of uh, city council members <laughs> <laughs> from this end, um, <laughs> do you guys remember when uh, when Kim O'Neill was talking about surveys and Jungus Jordan couldn't get over uh, like the security <sighs> version of that he was like but yes. how are how, like how are you going to make sure that like le- that like the people that are answering actually live here and don't and aren't like fr- people from like portland new, new zealand <laughs> yeah. he's he spat the word portland out he was like portland or yeah. seattle because they want to come and vote on like, our city council stuff how yeah. afraid is he of the k-pop kids like yeah. he's like no. he's like you know clearly they're just gonna they're just going to start an online petition and, like, people who don't yeah. give a shit about Fort Worth are going to, like, know what they're talking about <laughs> and, like, turn in wrong info yeah. on this. I yeah. think like Kim was just like, I mean, that's how surveys. That's all. That's yeah. All yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, what, that's what surveys are like. Yeah. No, that was so funny. <laughs> and it was just really funny because he was, like, um, obviously, like, scared of the feedback being negative. You know, like preemptively recognizing that, like, even though he's like said like three times, like we have the best police department in the world. You know, he knows obviously that we don't. Otherwise, he wouldn't be so afraid of negative feedback. But he's already trying to blame the negative feedback from the surveys on people that are outside of the city. So it's just really setting up. It's kind of smart if it was intentional uh, because he's just trying to set up like. Um, you know, back like a backlash about mm. the survey data once um, mm. once we actually get it, and it turns out to be negative. So I want to yeah. say real quick to our listeners, if you don't know what survey we're talking about, um, or if you don't know a lot of what we're talking about, uh, we recommend that you subscribe to the Fort Worth City newsletters where they tell you when the meetings are, what the meetings are going to be about, and then other 
surveys that they are sending out to citizens, you will get that a link to that survey on on those emails. So if, if you're not subscribed to any Fort Worth emails or new newsletters, do that. Um, and you can kind of curate. There's different newsletters they send out for different things. If you don't want all of them, if there's certain things you're not interested in, you don't have to get all of them. But uh, that's the survey that we're talking about. I think there was only 846 respondents or something to the citizen survey. Uh, it wasn't very many. I thought it was the yeah, other I way didn't, around. I didn't get anything about that. So I thought it was like... That was the, the police side of it? Yeah, yeah I, from the citizen survey. Was it like 4,000 or something for the citizens? Something like that, I okay, thought. Let me look. I got, I got the screenshot somewhere. Yeah, I thought they got like 800 responses from the police survey because they did two. They did one survey that was the community perception of um, of police in Fort Worth, and then they also surveyed the police officers themselves to get mm. their perception of policing in mm. Fort Worth. Um, it was yeah about just under 4,000. So the survey was open July 24th through August 7th, and 3,991 responses. And that was the community survey. That was the community survey. Yeah. So. If you don't know, the population of Fort Worth is up just under a million, about 900,000 or so. The population of Tarrant County is about 2 million. And so 4,000 is what? What is that point something something oh, percent? I don't even know what percentage it is. Zero, zero, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not a lot of people. So uh, the city is reaching out to people to get information about what to do, about how to make decisions. Uh, they don't do any job or put any effort they into getting that word out. They do such a bad job. Um, which yeah. is kind of why we're here, mm -hmm. is to help you guys get the word out, you know, get the information that you guys need so you can be informed citizens. Mm -hmm.